This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday edition of the program. We are here to take your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. You just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature, the main feature of the site actually allows you to control the content of the website by, as you're surfing around the web, you find something you think our listeners might enjoy or find interesting, you take it, you submit it to the uh, to freetalklive.com, and then other listeners will vote up or down on whether they like or dislike your suggestion. You get to vote up and down on things, too, and the most voted up will make it to the front page and the top of our website at freetalklive.com. So head on over there, get interactive, and as usual, joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. Uh, We can, of course, take your calls about anything. To start things out tonight, a story that I briefly mentioned last week, but we never really got to, and I found it particularly outrageous. So um, let's get into it. From the Associated Press, Helena, Montana. At a time when gays have been gaining victories across the country, the Republican Party in Montana still wants to make homosexuality illegal the party adopted an official platform in june that keeps a long-held position in support of making homosexual acts illegal a policy adopted after the montana supreme court struck down such laws in 1997 the fact that it's still the official party policy more than 12 years later despite a title shift in public attitude since then and the party's own pledge of support for individual freedoms has exasperated some gop members State Senator John Brugeman said, I looked at that and said, you've got to be kidding me. Should it get taken out? Absolutely. Does anybody think we should be arresting homosexual people? If you take that stand, you really probably shouldn't be in the Republican Party. That's a, a pretty open-minded statement from uh, from somebody in the, the Republican Party. And the- well, I think that I, I don't think it's that, that uncommon. I mean, I, I'm a registered Republican and I would say the same thing. I think that uh, I, I think that there are. People in the Republican Party that uh, that are you know very backwards on social issues, but uh, I, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that by any stretch that it's the uh, the, the norm. Well, it's still part of their uh, their platform. Uh, gay rights have been ad- rapidly advancing nationwide since the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Texas sodomy law, uh, Texas's sodomy law in 2003's Lawrence versus Texas decision. Gay marriage is now allowed in five states and Washington D.C. A federal court recently ruled that the military's "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" policy was unconstitutional, and even a conservative Tea Party group in Montana ousted its president over an anti-gay exchange in Facebook. But going against the grain is the Montana GOP statement, which falls under the crime section of the GOP platform. It states, quote, we support the clear will of the people of Montana expressed by legislation to keep homosexual acts illegal. Montana GOP Executive Director Bowen Greenwood said that's been the position of the party since the state Supreme Court struck down laws criminalizing homosexuality in 1997. Nobody has ever taken the initiative to change it, and so it's remained the party in the party platform. The matter has never even come up for discussion, he said. Well, it ought to. <laughs> it uh, it makes the party look backwards, and you know, speak. This is speaking as a registered Republican and a member, uh, pay, dues paid member of the Republican Liberty Caucus. Um, you know, this is why the Republicans look like the party of hate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it, it doesn't take too much if you just step out of your little Republican shoes and put yourself in, say, some independent shoes or some Democrat shoes, say for a second that you were, you know, you believed that, uh, that, that you were gay and you believed that you had the right to contract with another individual and live with them, um, you know, like, like you were married with them. 
for the rest of your life. The party that says that you shouldn't be able to do that looks like the party of hate to you. I'm not saying that that's true. I'm just saying that's perception. If you're black, you know which party the members of the KKK tend to vote for. If you are Mexican, then you know how uh, the people uh, in the Republican Party tend to feel about your cousins and family members being able to come here and live in this what is supposed to be the freest country on earth. And that is why the Republican Party gets the, 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 the appellation, the party of hate. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that it is the perception of people in minority classes. And if the Republicans could shed some of this, uh, this rhetoric that they have, then they wouldn't look that way. Are the Mexicans, when they get the right to vote, and believe me, they will, are they going to vote Democrat? You're darn right they're going to. Why, why wouldn't they? You're welcome to share your thoughts at 800-259-9231. This kind of uh, harkens back to some conversations we were having earlier this week. Uh, I think maybe it was last night where it was talking about how both you and I kind of came to the liberty viewpoint, Mark, from the the uh, the Republican side of things. And that now I'm embarrassed uh, to, you know, have had those viewpoints in my past. I'm not the same person today as as I was then, but it's stuff like this. That I would have, I would want nothing to do uh, with today. As the the person I am today, uh, these it's, it's this disgusting, is sick. It's despicable. I mean, the, the whole idea that you would outlaw somebody from performing a homosexual act on a on another person, from two people being gay and doing whatever it is they want to do stuff. with doing whatever it is they want to do with one another. I mean, theoretically, a homosexual act would include holding hands with another man. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, I would suspect that would be one of the few ways that you'd find out that they were doing something mm-hmm. like that. They could, otherwise, they're just roommates, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're right. That brings you to the question of how would you handle something like this, right? How, how would they handle making these things illegal? If this, is, if this is what, you know, you want to see happen, if you are the kind of bigot who uh, just can't stand the idea that people would be different from you, then uh, how would you enforce something like that? Well, I guess you'd have to go on tips, right? Like snitches. I get. What else would you do, right? Your neighbor, some neighbor, some busybody neighbor would uh, notice. I think a those co- boys are gay, right? Notice a couple men or a couple women moving in with uh, with one another and in the neighborhood, and you know, place a call to the police. Tip those ladies line. have short haircuts. <laughs> place I mean, a call to the police what tip else line. Do you do, yeah, and then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it really would come down to finding people doing things in public. I mean, that'd be the easiest way to uh, to catch folks, like, you know, a nip on the cheek, a kiss, uh, holding hands, I mean, caressing, affection being okay, shown. Some of the biggest uh, uh, you know places where people go for vacations in America, San Francisco, Key West, mm-hmm. these these two come to mind. The, these places are gay, uh, you know, bastards. Very friendly. Yeah, so you go there, you see that kind of thing. It's new and different when you go there on vacation. I don't see that in the town, uh, you know, where I live. But you know, some people I imagine are appalled. I think maybe they like the spectacle, the phantasmagoria of going to some different place and seeing something different than what they would normally. But they don't want it at home. You know, I think that those people just need to leave people alone. Get over your damn self. And stop trying to enforce your viewpoint of what is right on other people who are consenting people. 
These are people who are choosing to be with one another. They're choosing to engage in the acts that they they wish to engage in. Yeah, and acts that I'm not real interested in, but whatever. It's none of your business. I mean, some people would want to outlaw hand-holding and affection in, in public, period. Yes. Regardless of whether it's gay people or anybody that's, uh, that's doing it. And I, that, that, that is that's such, such a statement about who you are. It's, it's a statement about how uncomfortable you are with your own sexuality or your own willingness to show affection to other human beings. Because you're so repressed that you believe that outlawing any sort of public display of affection is the appropriate way to handle that because you can't handle the way you feel when you see other people engaging in public displays of affection. I think that you know that's kind of the, the next step on this let's not let anybody be gay you know, parade here, which is, I think, a really scary thing. Uh, critics say the policy is a toothless statement, the effect of which is simply to make gays feel excluded. Right, and that's the, that's the point here the, um, uh, you know, that I was trying to make. Uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not much for public dipl- displays of affection, personally. I think you should keep that stuff at home. But, um, you know, hand-holding hand hand excluded. Um, but if you're talking about, uh, in this instance, the, even if, they'll never enforce this. So why in the world do they have it in their platform? All they do is succeed in making it's themselves the party of hate. Yeah. I personally, as a registered Republican, would prefer not to see that there. Thank you very much. You people are ruining it for us. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Whether you're in Montana or not... How would you feel if uh, you know this was going on where nearby you uh, where you live? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up whatever you want as well. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Sign up at hostgator.freetalklive.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You take, uh, can take control of the airwaves. This is the uh, live Saturday edition of the show. The number for you is 800-259-9231, and the number brought to you by SACL CAI. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got the bulletin board system. You can get interactive with other listeners over there at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. I'd like to bring your attention to a Republican candidate named John Dennis, johndennis2010.com. He's running against Nancy Pelosi. He'd be a Republican like I am that uh, thinks that gay people should be able to... You know, cohabitate if they wish, and it shouldn't be a crime in order to uh, to love the one you're with. I guess <laughs> John Dennis is also a uh, the kind of Republican that believes that the military should be returned to the United States and not be all over the world gallivanting, fighting wars for well, oil and that kind of thing. John Dennis 2010com He's the only Republican that can beat Nancy Pelosi this year. You may not agree with every one of his stances. However, he's the only one that can beat Nancy Pelosi. You can't vote for or against them if you're not in San Francisco. So as an American, donate to John Dennis at johndennis2010.com. So we started the show out with just an absolutely embarrassing piece from the Associated Press regarding, not embarrassing to the Associated Press, but to the uh, the folks calling themselves the Republican Party in Montana that has, a, a, I guess, a piece in their platform that specifically calls for the outlawing of homosexual acts 
And as uh, the piece uh, the uh, piece from the AP here says, the Montana Human Rights Network organizer Kim Abbott says the GOP platform statement doesn't represent the attitudes of most Montanans, and it shows that the party is out of touch with the prevalent view of the people that they are supposed to represent. She says it speaks volumes to the lesbian and gay community as to how they are perceived by the Republican Party. Not just in Montana, but all over America. It would be nice if Republicans that understand that gay people are human beings would stand up and say they don't agree with with that, but I don't know how likely that is. Now, one of the Republican senators in the states, uh, Brugeman, says uh, he suspects the vast majority of the party believes, as he does, that the Republican Party should remove the statement. It's against every conservative principle for limited government into issues like this exemplify how a political party can interfere with the relationship between lawmakers and their constituents. He said, I just hope it's something that's so sensitive that people don't want to touch it. Even if there was a Supreme Court decision, does anyone really believe that it should be illegal? And that really is the question. What would happen? Why hasn't somebody brought this up at the Republican convention to uh, to get rid of this? Are they so afraid that there's such a an anti-gay sentiment within the Republican Party that they will somehow be ostracized or shot down or you know attacked in some way verbally by uh, their co-members of this Republican Party? Or well, is it just one of the many planks that no one's paid attention to? And so that's why I think it, it comes down to the whole lawmaker thing. Uh, the politics is about electing lawmakers, not about electing law amenders or law, uh, you know, doer away or withers. <laughs> it's about electing lawmakers. So once something gets done, well, we've taken care of that. We must move on. Well, they took care of that decades ago as far as, uh, you know, call, calling homosexuality a crime. And nobody's bothered to go in and amend the platform because mm-hmm. this is stupid. And, you know, there's probably a small percentage, some percentage of the uh, the Republicans in Montana and, and around the nation that believe that uh, homosexuality should be a crime. I assume punishable by jail time. All crimes are punishable by jail time. Even if you get a fine, it's still jail if you refuse to pay it. If, I, if I'm gay and I say, I'm not paying your fine because I, what I'm doing isn't wrong. Well, then I have to go to, prison, go to prison or yeah. jail because I've been fined. Because some stinking guy in a robe says that I've got to go. And because what the, the 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 legislators told him that he had to call it a law, and because the people allowed that to happen, it all comes down to the government that you deserve. So one of the things that makes me, you know, I'm never going to, I, I could never see myself joining the Republican or Democrat parties. One of the reasons why I would be so unlikely to join the democrats uh would simply be well first of all i'm just against the two-party system in general but aside from that just looking at the the two parties and what they appear to stand for you know the democrats aren't afraid to admit to you that they want bigger government right so that kind of is a turn that's that's a turn off for me Mm -hmm. uh, because i don't want the government to get bigger I, i want it to go away entirely or at least get very very small and uh of course the republicans talk a good game about that but then they've got all these statements uh, that they make, like, you know, that they don't want people to come here uh, from other parts of the world. And, and they don't want, uh, in this case in Montana, they don't want gay people to be gay. <laughs> and like all kinds of just intolerant, bigoted statements that... Uh, that I don't see how you can... I, can, I don't see how you can interpret this as anything but bigoted. Right. That, that lack any sort of compassion for their fellow man. 
that lack any compassion for anybody that's not, you know, kind of the typical white old guy Republican, right? I mean, that's sort of the view. That's uh, when you step back and you look at the Republican Party. They, it seems like it's a bunch of old white guys, right? Well, I, I think the Democrats are the same thing. Really? Okay. You I, don't think they're old white guys? I don't know. Maybe the, the Democrats always have just kind of I come think off these as are a little more diverse. That's all. The, these are just different people that want the same reins of power, the way I see it. Yeah. Um, and maybe the Republicans, uh, you know, maybe they feel like if they if they stray from their kind of bigoted uh, viewpoints that they won't get as much support. But I think that what you pointed out before, Mark, is uh, is spot on in that, well, the fact that they aren't showing compassion toward uh, towards other people that aren't exactly like them is maybe really, really hurting them. Maybe there's some serious damage that's being done to what could be, you know, a much stronger membership for their their party. All if you they have would to just do is embrace other people that are different. All you have to do is look at the numbers of people who are registered Republicans and Democrats, and you'll find that there are more Democrats in this nation than there are Republicans. And is the right? reason is, sorry to say, that the Republican Party is the party of exclusion, the party of we know what um, you know, we know what's right on the way you should live, and you don't. And you know, Democrats. Much more the party of, we'll take your money and spend it the way we think is the best way to spend it. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want as long as you give us all your paycheck. Like, that's really their shtick. Now, admittedly, there's plenty of Democrats that'll tell you how to live. But oh, sure. There's probably bigoted Democrats, the too. The Republicans wear it on their vest. Yeah. Yeah. The Democrats, I'm not saying they're great, and I'm not saying I would choose them either. I wouldn't choose either. But, uh, they, they, you know, they, they at least get that they should pander to those people, right? They, their votes, they, right? Mm-hmm. They they understand that uh, that excluding people uh, like gay people and Mexicans uh, is is detrimental to the future of their candidates being elected. And the Republicans just, you know, at least the ones in Montana, there they don't seem to get that part. Yeah, they're they're not trying very hard. So your thoughts, welcome eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can also bring up anything. Rufus is with us, listening to WSCFM in Charleston. Hello, Rufus. Hi, Ian and Mark. How are y'all tonight? Hey, just great, Rufus. What's on your mind? Well, I didn't know what you guys were talking about, and now that I heard you for a while, I want to touch on that subject matter that you were just speaking about. Um, sure. Uh, about the gay people or the homosexuals, I think you referred to. Uh, let me just say that it's been my experience or my observation that the gay community or the homosexual people seem to flaunt their sexuality more than heterosexuals do. And I think anyone, but heterosexuals also flaunt their sexuality, but I think anyone who flaunts their sexuality in public is sort of has an ego problem. And yeah. I was like, if you go into a restaurant late at night and you see a guy and a girl in a booth and they're just really having a groping session and they're making out or something, I don't want to see that, you know. Uh, I guess I'm just a well, prude and an old-fashioned guy. Well, you know, I see where but, I see you know, where you're coming from. I'll tell you what. Hang on, we can uh, continue the discussion here in a moment at 800-259-9231. Maybe he's right. You know, those folks maybe they want to show off and exhibit because they feel like they have something to prove, and it certainly can be tacky. Uh, it's free talk live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Stouffer's, helping bring your family together with wholesome dinner options, even on the busiest of nights. Find dinner table ideas to bring your family together at letsfixdinner.com. To get kids involved in dinnertime conversation, ask specific questions, not broad ones. Instead of what happened today at school, try what was the best thing that happened today. The more specific you are, the more they'll have to say. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. 
This is Free Talk Live, the Saturday edition of the program. We are here live to take your phone calls about what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. We've got a mobile site, by the way. You can go to m.freetalklive.com if you want to go straight to that. Maybe you've got one of those fancy smartphones and you want to get our streams or our podcast on said smartphone. Go to m freetalklive.com that's m stands for mobile i've got uh, one, one of those smartphones but i don't have the data plan so i keep mine intentionally stupid you're not smart enough then. yeah uh, well my i'm i'm plenty smart it's the, the phone, phone. Yeah, yeah i keep it dumb the downsize dc it's uh, what's the reason why you don't write your congress critter on important issues it's because you know that it's largely pointless it doesn't have to be that way. Your voice can be raised with tens of thousands of other people's voices if you go to DownsizeDC.org and sign up today. They send out uh, three or four updates uh, a week to let you know about what, oh, those people in Washington, D.C. are all up to. They keep an eye on them, and they give you the opportunity to send very quickly and easily emails to them. Uh, I, I am a subscriber. Ian, you do the service, too. It's DownsizeDC.org. Let's go back to the phones and the fun. Rufus, I think, is still with us listening to WSC-FM in Charleston. We started out the show with a story about the Montana GOP having in its platform a call to essentially make illegal any sort of homosexual act. And that kind of spun off into a discussion about uh, public displays of affection in general. And Rufus, you were commenting that, you know, it's 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 kind of tacky if you're in a restaurant and there's a couple people across the in another booth that are making out uh, in a in a public fashion like that. I, I certainly would agree with you there. And I think the appropriate uh, method dealing with that, and you may agree with me on this, is not to pass a law, but in fact, to just talk to the restaurant and say, you know, hey, I don't I don't like to watch or that while I'm, while I'm eating. Get, or, a, get a room. <laughs> yeah. Or talk to the people them, uh, themselves or and if the restaurant's not willing to, uh, you know, set up some sort of rule about public displays of effect then you could go uh, eat somewhere else. Rufus, your thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, well, it wouldn't bother me to that extent. You know, it would just be a little minor peeve. But here's the weird, really weird thing, and I guess this is going to divulge a part of my psyche that maybe I'll be sorry about. But if I see two women, especially if they're attractive, embracing each other in a warm, meaningful kiss and embrace, to me, in my mind, I think, God, that's so beautiful. But if I see two men doing the same thing, I think, oh, my God, that's disgusting. I, I tend to, to feel the from... same way. Um, you know, I, oh. I tend to feel the same way. I'm just not going to do anything about it. You know, I mean, that's I, and I think to some extent that's uh, that's the reason that they do it in order to bring it to people's attention that, uh, hey, this this should be normal. But I mean, you know, be honest, uh, Rufus. Do you want to see two fat? ugly straight people necking in the, the booth next to you too i mean the fact is beautiful people doing stuff is interesting ugly people doing stuff isn't yeah and, and let me just bring up this point where i told the screener uh last night i heard i'm gonna change the subject completely but sure. i hope you'll bear with me that's why we're that's that why we call the show free talk planet. live rufus go ahead okay uh last night i heard that they discovered a planet 20 million light years away that has the same temperature as earth but maybe three times the amount of gravity and of all the planets they've discovered, they think it has the best chance of harboring any kind of life. So as a result of that, United Nations picked this man in Malaysia, some astrophysicist, to be the world's ambassador to any extraterrestrial life that happens to come our way. That's some good now, stuff there. Now, what I want to know is, who asked my opinion? I mean, 
where does this minority of people get off picking, making these decisions? Like, I don't recall BP asking me if they could drill for oil a mile deep in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, so where, where is this minority group of people who are making all these monumental decisions get this authority from? Uh, no, they just yep. made it up. You know, they, they didn't get it from anywhere. They just do it. And they've got men with guns who are willing to back them up. And they know that, uh, you know, they're going to get away with it because, well, people will just keep paying. Well, so. I won't take up any more of your time. Thanks, I appreciate Rufus. your indulgence. appreciate hearing you. from you I really you love your show. Thank you. Appreciate hearing from you. Carry 800-259-9231. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Uh, let's continue with your thoughts. Uh, Hamilton listening in also in Charleston to WSCFM. Hello, Hamilton. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I was listening to y'all. I've never heard your show before. and um, Sorry for the I shock. Kinda, <laughs> well, I just <laughs> don't normally listen to news radio on Saturday evenings. But uh, anyway, um, I heard what y'all were saying about Montana, and um, it kind of ticked me off because I'm a very conservative Southern Christian Republican who would no more vote for a law that would make it illegal to make uh, gays not able to practice their homosexuality than I would you know, vote for us all to be dead. It's, it's crazy. But at the same time, your approach of you, – you refer to the Republican Party in such a stereotyping way. You're doing the same thing that the people have done for years as far as stereotyping any group. Which it, stereotype kind of, are you referring to? Because I am a Republican. Well, well the, the other gentleman then who was talking about Republicans being a bunch of old, stodgy guys who want to be exclusive to everyone to everyone else but themselves. And I stopped I, him. I, I, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> and, and the other comment about – Republicans being, um, you know, anti-Mexican, anti-immigration. That's such BS. This country was founded on on immigration. We were all immigrants at some point or another. Even the even the Native Americans came across a landmass from Asia. We're all immigrants. But there's a difference between illegal immigration and legal immigration. The people who come from uh, all over this world to this country. If you come in through the front door, you're welcome. No, that's if you not come in true. Through the back door and you. That's not true. I, not if you. Not no. I knew it would devolve into the uh, the immigrant. Uh, discussion. So let's let's go to the immigrant thing because there, it sounds like we uh, agree on the the gay stuff here. Um, you're not welcome <laughs> if you come in through the so-called front door. It's you're not welcome if you if you are an unskilled uh, laborer from uh, Central America. Um, I mean that's that's the honest truth. Unless you're related to somebody in the United States. I mean there is they have quotas for each country, and the fact is you're never going to get across if you are an unskilled worker. So if there's a quota for each country, that means that we have a limited amount of space. And so you've got so people who said breaking that? the law to what, sorry? What, that's a non sequitur. Because there's a quota, there is a limited amount of space. Have you ever been to Utah, Wyoming, Montana? The reason uh, there's Montana? a quota I is just, because some... I just flew in from Utah yesterday, and actually. A, I was in Salt Lake City all well, week. Well, Salt Lake City is probably not the, the, the most indicative of the amount of space there is in Utah, but I understand. You're, you're, you're correct. And I also drove, drove through the mountains from Salt Lake City to Grand Junction. And Plenty of room this, for this some... Big Plenty of room for some people who are uh, who who genetically were okay. you know were here well, longer than physical, you. Beyond physical room, how about uh, uh, financial room? How about infrastructure room? The ability to handle the population that we already have here, as far as on the roads, uh, as far as um, social networks, being able to help those less fortunate us. Well, it's help always them. Best. What do you mean help them? <laughs> I mean, uh, don't worry. The, the churches will will help whomever they um, you know whoever needs helping. They'll take care of it. Don't worry. They'll step up really, really. But you know, I'm wondering about the future world when they control the amount of kids that you and I can have. When the the, the conservative says, "Well, we can't get rid of these laws that say that 
people can have a certain amount of children. My God, people will just begin having so many kids we won't be able to handle them. I mean, this is the same argument. I could talk, begin procreating. Wait, people could begin procreating at an, an inexorable rate tomorrow, and uh, all these people would be legal, and you'd have to provide for them or whatever it is. And well, the, the market know, does an amazing job of scaling up to consumer demand, talk. and so if people are demanding more housing, it will be built. If people are demanding services uh, from the marketplace, it will be they'll be provided by people in search of profits. So, I mean, do you believe in the free market? I do believe in a free market. So why do you think that well why do you think that not equal free borders? No, oh, yes, yes, it does. Actually, the free market's about people. labor. Um, and this is this is a marketplace of labor, and what you're suggesting is that that U.S. labor is somehow um, able to. And, um, able to have a better claim on U.S. jobs. When you don't believe that U.S. products uh, should have a better claim on uh, you know U.S. dollars, so it's really just about selling labor. And don't you think that the individual who lives in Tijuana has just as much right to sell me his labor as the person who lives in San Diego? If he gets here legally, no. Meaning, if he, <laughs> I don't through, care whether he gets here legally. Meaning, if he jumps through all of the arbitrary hoops, right? That the you said it was a nation of immigrants, and the fact is, most of the people whose uh, grandparents came across, you know, they spent three days at Ellis Island, they got their names screwed up, and then they were off and free to do whatever they wanted. Now that they have, you know, it costs tens of thousands of dollars to become a citizen. If you can even get the application in, and they don't lose it, you've got to put money in just to apply, and then they, in half the time, will lose the application you have to apply again uh if you want you've got got another point we'll let you come back for that more in a moment with free talk live thousands of years ago from the time of moses to the time of alexander the great julius caesar and beyond TrustedCoins.com brings you an incredible selection of authentic Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine ancient coins, all certified authentic by world-renowned numismatic expert Ilya Zlobin. Transport yourself to the distant past now at TrustedCoins.com. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll free 800 259 9231. The SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features there. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by shopping with us. Go to amazon.freetalklive.com and get your shopping done. You know, Amazon, they're the world's largest internet retailer. They've got Pretty much whatever it is you might be looking for. Dozens of categories, free super saver shipping on brand, a lot of their brand new items. Not all, but a whole bunch of them. And you can even buy used if you want to. They sell you stuff too. So go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and get your shopping done. And a portion of the uh, the purchase price will be given to Free Talk Live if you shop through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. That's true too. If you go to Gold.FreeTalkLive.com, there uh, the gold purveyors are all over uh, am radio and before you buy go check out gold.freetalklive.com i've set out some coins there that uh, you can comparison shop i think you'll find the best prices on the internet at gold.freetalklive.com we're talking uh, we, we started talking about some kind of uh, some of the bigotry that can be found in the the republican party and it's just a, it's a big turnoff especially you know for somebody like me and i've come from the republican party and i would never go back and one of the reasons is because of that 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 attitude and and it kind of led into a conversation about at least immigration with uh, Hamilton, who I think is still with us. Hamilton listening to WSC-FM in Charleston. Are you still there? I am. 
So we're just kind of uh, doing our best here to correct some of the misinformation out there that surrounds this idea that, well, it's no problem. If you just come in through the front door, go legal, then it's, it's A-OK. And it's not OK to have uh, some group of arbitrary bureaucrats deciding whether or not you can come to a, a more free place and live a better life for yourself. I mean, how familiar are you with the process of actually legally immigrating into the United States? Actually, a good friend of mine um, from here in Charleston uh, was from East Germany, and he spent, uh, I think, eight years going through the process. So I know it can be long and difficult, yeah. um, but he, br- he brought something to the table. He owns his own business, um, was actually married to an American girl, has children here. I'm not unsympathetic to anybody coming through the process. If I could say something, it is that, that um, y'all spent the, most, the, majority, the majority of the time that we were just talking telling me what I believe without actually letting me have a chance to tell you what I believe, which is the system is broken. We do need to change it. Okay, what However, would you do? I, would, I would institute a guest worker program. I would also make it less long and difficult for people to get into our country. However, people just coming across the border willy-nilly, free as you please, I don't believe in free borders. I believe in free society, a free free economy, free market, but free borders don't necessarily go along with that. Thanks I've for clearing that up. Other comp- All right. Uh, have, you, have either of y'all ever been to South Africa? I have never been to South Africa, no. Okay. Go to South Africa, no. go to Cape Town, go to um, go to Johannesburg and see the shanty towns that have been created from the free border policy that the ANC instituted after um, they came into power when apartheid fell. It's a much poorer They're, country. I mean, uh, even even people that live in, uh, you know, citizens of South Africa live in shanties. Um, South Africa, wait a second. I've been there. South Africa is a very nice country. I've been to Greece. I couldn't tell lot, you anything about their politics. Uh, South Africa has a lot, is, is, is basically a first world country. Yes, there is still poverty there. Yes, there was poverty before the borders were opened, but it's so much worse now. They have bogged their system down. There are shanty towns of millions Wait of people Wait a minute, they bogged the system down. Oh, I see. Well, we haven't really mentioned yet uh, that on this show we oppose the ideas of welfare and forced wealth redistribution. So in the absence of uh, having a forced wealth redistribution system, then the people that come here will be the ones that, as you mentioned before, have something to offer rather than the people that are looking to uh, to just take. Uh, would that make sense? Like if if, we, if you could get rid of welfare, uh, would you be all right with open borders? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it, 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 probably. Okay, fair I don't enough. Know if, yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if it's an either-or situation. Yes, I think welfare is too, uh, too much of an – we have too much of an anti-state. They can't, they can't support it there. But all I'm saying is open borders can be can can really be bad for whatever economy there is. Well, no, I'd like really like to point out here, um, Hamilton, that in fact, if you look at almost almost every economist, there are a few that will say otherwise, but almost every economist will say that immigrants have been a net gain, a tremendous net gain for the United States. That um, you know that, and that more immigration will only be benefit our economy. Certainly, they will point out, and I think rightly so, that there's there's a huge drain from the ideas of welfare and WIC and and you know hospitals and public schools and all mm-hmm. these things. And as far as I'm concerned, I shouldn't have to feed your dog, and I shouldn't have to feed your kid. Um, exactly. You know, I, I'm I'm willing to. My church gives all the time, and I'm I'm certainly mm-hmm. you know when I have the opportunities to help people, I do that. However, I don't think that it. Uh, I think that once you start on uh, an entitlement program, people feel entitled. 
field, they are less exactly. likely to work. I'm I'm exactly. totally interested in people coming here and working. What I'm not interested in is people coming here and living off of uh, of, of the largesse of Absolutely. those that do work. Hamilton, thanks for the Absolutely. thoughts and the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Uh, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's talk to Greg listening also in Charleston. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Gentlemen, it's amazing the the uh, the length of of the diversity of the topics of the conversations that you have, but it it, it kind of bothers me as a conservative because I've I've voted both for Democrats, I've voted both for uh, uh, the Republican Party, so it it really doesn't matter. I kind of look at the individual, but what I see, or at least what I hear from y'all is name-calling as far as the bigoted Republicans, and I never hear you say the bigoted Democrats, because let, let's all be fair. You you have uh, uh, knuckleheads on both sides of the aisle. I think we and said the- that earlier. In fact, maybe if I didn't make it clear, I said I think it's probably true there are bigoted Democrats as well. They just don't have the same reputation. They don't they don't have the same reputation right. as Mark said for wearing it on their sleeve we've as been many Republicans to, do. We've been trying when we talk about the the bigots um, that are in, uh, the the the, bigoty, the bigotedness that's involved is what we're trying to talk about is the perception that people have, not the reality. Right. It's not to say that all Republicans are bigots. Clearly, that's not a true statement. I I would never make a sweeping statement or that like it's a that. bigoted party because I don't think that's true either. Right, but I think all three of us can agree that people's perception are their reality, and they have stuck with. Just to give you an example, I grew up in what would be called a liberal democratic family. Okay, I mean the, the whole run Jesse run the whole nine yards, and out of that, being the youngest of five, I grew up to be conservative, not necessarily being Republican, but I could not understand the the handouts, the give me's, and the name calling from the Democratic uh, Party. And you know, subsequently uh, looking at my family, uh, and it's always a joke during Thanksgiving that I'm the only one that owns my own home. I'm the only one that owns a business. I'm the only one that's still married. I'm the only one that's retired out of the military, not needing the government. But you you look at those in my family who thought that the liberal way, and I won't just put it on the Democrats because you have the Republicans that are are in belief of this, but that the liberal way was the correct way and the name-calling was the correct way, and and it's not. And I just kind of wanted to see if y'all could just kind of lean lean further away from the name-calling. We know what it is. And, and it kind of bothers me when, when you talked about the guy from Tequila, you didn't mind whether he was illegal or not. Those kind of things, I think, should transcend uh, both parties. So um, I, I'm trying to figure out what it is that you don't like here. You don't like the word bigot that we've used because um, what we've tried to do when using the term bigot is talk about the perception that people have, and we're we're addressing the reality that you know that that surrounds it. Right. We never called everybody bigoted, but wouldn't you say that that uh, the policy that the Montana Republican Party has that homosexuality should be outlawed is a bigoted policy? Oh, certainly, okay. and, and and they should, you know, be, uh, you know, I won't say strung up from a tree, no. but it's those kind of folks that give everybody a bad name. But all blacks are not like Jesse Jackson. Oh, no, clearly. absolutely so what, not. What y'all are doing <laughs> is making sweeping statements. Say, if you felt that a sweeping statement, are idiots, well, and and stop just ascribing them to Republicans. Say, well, you know, these Republicans out here have lost their mind. You know, they're not, you know 
some Tea Party members have lost their mind. We all know the Jesse Jackson wing of the Democratic Party has lost their mind. But let's Greg, I get it, man. And, and, if, and if it sounded like we were being sweeping before, then I apologize. It was not my intention to uh, to do that. We were making general statements about uh, you know how people see the Republican Party, and it doesn't mean that there aren't individuals within it. I mean, I I make a, I made a general statement, and the Hamilton was upset that uh, Republicans are typically seen as a bunch of old white uh, you know old white guys, and that's obviously not true across the entire spectrum of the party. But wouldn't you say from the Republican meetings that you've been to, and I'm going to jump to a conclusion here and say that you're a black guy, uh, wouldn't you say that the majority of the people attending those meetings has been old white guys? That, and, that, and that's true. I would just hope that y'all using y'all forum would try to break that stereotype so folks will realize that it is not the way it's portrayed on TV and as they hear it on radio. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate your call and your thoughts tonight at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. The Libertarians are a bunch of old white guys as well, and I think that's a problem. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Hour two's on the way. Okay, here's the long and the short of it. If you name the worst politicians in America today, Nancy Pelosi is going to be on your top ten list. She's awful, and she's powerful. There is a principled anti-war Republican running against her, however, and his name is John Dennis. He's already beaten the establishment Republican in the primary, but he's going to need all of the financing he can get to bring down the political juggernaut that is Nancy Pelosi. He can do it, but only with your help. I've donated to John Dennis's campaign, and I would like to encourage you to also. Now is the time. Nancy Pelosi is politically vulnerable, and it's unlikely that we're going to get another candidate like John Dennis. He's the only type of Republican that can win in San Francisco. In my opinion, he is as, if not more, principled than Ron Paul. Go to johndennis2010.com and donate today. johndennis2010.com. He is Hope for America. This ad paid for by John Dennis for Congress 2010. JohnDennis2010.com. I'm John Dennis, and I approve this ad. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of this, the live Saturday edition. You can dial in toll free. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features. They're totally free. So head on over there. Uh, you can interact with the site by submitting content to it, and other listeners vote on that content, and the most voted up make it to the front page. So head on over there to freetalklive.com. You'll find that the entire site is for free. We continue with your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. We go to Russell, listening to WRNN-FM in Myrtle Beach. Hello, Russell. Russell in Myrtle Beach, going once. Russell in Myrtle Beach. Hello. There you are, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, excuse me. Uh, I was going to talk about term limits. All right, okay. sure. Okay. I'm sorry, I got his call, so bear with me. But, uh, Y'all talked about a few problems, and it's always seeming to what are our politicians doing? Well, they making... take a few problems, and they when it comes time for election, and they get up there and they spell out everything you want to hear. 
Right, as though they've actually done anything to solve one of the problems, when usually what happens is the government uh, creates the problems that they're complaining about, and then their solutions to those problems make the problems worse. Exactly. Because it's politically expedient in the solutions that they use to solve a problem. So how's term limits relevant to that conversation? Okay. Well, you get people, and they go in there, and they promise you, we're going to change things. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to go in there, and we're going to take no earmarks and this and that, but it never happens. That's right. Either they get in there in their first to second term, and they stay, or they're gone. And it's the embedded structure and the bureaucracy. And they collect a sweet pension too. Uh, once they get what is it? One t- you just get. I don't know how long it is, the- but once you're once you're there, you're, you're pretty much in for that pension. Yeah. So yeah, you're pretty much right. I mean, they basically lie to people, the Democrats and the Republicans. They tell lies to folks, and uh, and then they get reelected. Ninety uh, plus percent re- uh, incumbent reelection rate in this country. So you think term limits can solve that problem? In a way, because it would uh, it would knock a pillar out of their structure hmm. but, but then what means of their support okay so i, mean, I you know i understand where you're coming from with the idea of term limits being uh, being a useful thing and that you wouldn't get these career politicians who they get in dug in like ticks and they you know they they get all the lobbyists know them, and they know they can count on them for this and that, and they, you know, they know how to work the system because they've been there and they're experienced at it. And, uh, but on the other hand, if you actually did have a decent politician, like, say, a Ron Paul, for instance, then he'd be term-limited out of office. Yes, sir. And that was a uh, disparity. The president of the United States has a term limit. No, I don't think that's... Yes, they do. Is it true? I thought it was just Ten years. I thought that... Ten years? Ten. Roosevelt was the first president in which uh, Congress and the other politicians decided there there should be term limits for president. I thought it was just a tradition. I thought that uh, it was just a tradition. It was until Roosevelt. Really? Okay. All right. You know, I I don't think it's... Yes, I mean, they they, they were voted out in different, you know, means, but... uh, Hmm. Well... uh, I want to thank you for the call tonight, Russell. I certainly appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I don't think term limits are going to solve the problems that uh, Washington, D.C. has simply because they're, it's just a, such a centralized hub of power. I it's agree with that. It's always going to attract it, people in search of that. I think that you uh, you have to do some politicking, though. And if there's, a, if there's an issue that I'm willing to pick up that I don't entirely believe in, it's term limits. Mm. Because I do think that it will be somewhat helpful. Yeah, the, the old saying is, is that uh, for a thousand people that are hacking at the branches, there's only one who's striking at the root. And I would say that uh, term limits are a really big branch. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, not the, it's not the trunk of the tree. It's not the root of the tree it's a it's a big branch and they do get dug in like ticks and they're they're impossible to get out but you know, once you even if you did have term limits, essentially what you do is you've just created a larger job pool for the lobbyist market because then all the lobbyists would be ex-Congress critters crawling about there trying to peddle their influence that they had at one point, their understanding of how the system works. That's what they do now, and that's what they do then. I, I you know, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I just don't think it's the solution. A lot of people, you know, lay it out there as the um, as as the panacea for. Panacea. What is it? There's no T in panacea. Whatever. Panacea for, uh, you know, the, the, the problems we have in Washington. And the problems we have from Washington is Washington. Yeah. Th- I mean, that's the problem. If 
the state, the 50 states said to Washington, D.C., look, we're just not going to put up with this crap anymore and told them to go take a long walk off of a short pier, then it would be an entirely different um, issue. But the reason that they don't is because Washington, D.C. controls the printing of money. Mm -hmm. And the states are, you know, little hookers out there uh, getting getting paid off by their their big pimp in Washington. Pretty much. And that's uh, the the, the root of it all is the Federal Reserve System and the government's ability to print money when there is no value. It used to be that uh, money was tied to reserves of gold and silver. It no longer is. That's the root of the problem. Yeah, and uh, the idea that the people in Washington, D.C. would even pass term limits upon themselves is also pretty, yeah. pretty silly, right? So it's, it's almost pie in the sky, uh, the idea that, that something like that would ever come to pass. So I think I'll stay in favor of just seceding and saying forget you to Washington, D.C., because I don't think there's any amount. And I, I kind of feel the same way as you on this, Mark. Like term limits, eh, on one hand, they're not such a bad thing. On the other hand, Ron Paul would be out of uh, – out of office, and he is, for what it's worth, he's a voice uh, for liberty on most issues up there. And it's not really worth much, so it probably wouldn't really matter if term limits were, were put into effect. But it's unrealistic to believe that they ever will be put into effect, and it's also unrealistic to believe that term limits would do anything to fundamentally change the way Washington, D.C. works. And that is that, it, that it's a group of people that, that want to exert their power over other folks and, and extract money and obedience from them. What? Why bother even trying to change Washington, D.C.? Why not spend time – because it's so expensive, right? It's very expensive and time-consuming to try to lobby to change things in Washington, D.C. You'll never outspend uh, you know, Monsanto or the other corporations that are up there lobbying, so you don't even have a chance from the get-go. And then uh, why not spend – if you're going to spend time and money on doing politics, why not spend it on secession and, you know, and encouraging <clears> – <throat> Excuse me, encouraging that idea to, uh, you know, to propagate through the population and focus on electing state legislators. That's much more it's a much more affordable process to do something like that. If you're going to do politics uh, that will support those ideas, that will support the idea of saying no to the federal government and turning down the uh, the, the handouts that uh, that you were talking about. That, of course, our strings are attached to it every time. Uh, and I, I hear the local politicians talking that, about that on this show. I, I believe well, that 60 percent of the uh, regulations come to uh, to public schools through the federal government but only six percent of the uh, the money comes to them i've heard the it's department. 90 and six uh, okay whatever percent of the regulations but yeah the, the, listening to local politicians bemoan the federal regulations that they have to jump through i've heard the, them on the local radio here in Keene, new hampshire bemoaning uh, all of the things that the federal government has to you know that makes them do that these mandates that are coming down from the feds but whenever somebody calls in to suggest well hey why don't you just not do it oh but they give us money well, if you were to just say no to the money, right, and that's the problem: is these politicians uh, they, they just they can't say no to the money. And if the idea is is that your local community works through the local taxes, but it doesn't. It's this trickle down. They get a small amount of money from the federal government. They get all their regulations from there, and they just can't say no, even if it's not enough. Money. They're like little addicts, right? Even if it's not enough money that they're getting, right? This they still won't say no because it's it's money that we didn't have, and we need the money. Uh, 
uh, saving the taxpayer by by no. uh, you know sticking with all these regulations we spend so much more money on. If you wanted to save the taxpayer, then you would get behind some sort of local effort to say no to the federal government. Because if you could have some, lo- if, I mean, like in this crazy fantasy land, if you had this some local government basically say no to all of the federal government handouts, and then in addition say, yeah, and this is where you can live if you don't want to pay federal taxes. Well, then you'd have more money in your community because nobody would be sending the money to the feds anymore. Then you wouldn't need to say yes to the federal handouts because all the money would stay in the community. Doesn't that make sense? It makes more sense. Secession. 800-259-9231. That's the solution to the federal problem. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. is Free Talk Live, the Saturday edition of the program. We are here to take your calls about what you want. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various different features that we have there for you. Uh, They include our listening options. You can enjoy live streams, uh, both broadband and dial-up flavors, 24-7. The latest episode of Free Talk Live airs around the clock over at listen.freetalklive.com. The listening options are brought to you by qualityrental.com. How soon do you want to start teaching that child that's special to you about the ideas of liberty? I figured I couldn't start soon enough. An Island Called Liberty is a picture book for children, and I read it to my son Jack all the time. It's, it's kind of like Ayn Rand meets Dr. Seuss. It's simple story, graceful rhymes, and beautiful illustrations on every page will make it one of any child's favorites. Go to freemarketunderdog.com, see the samples right there, order today. There's a 10% discount for, you know, listeners of Free Talk Live with the coupon code FTL. It's an, an island called Liberty at freemarketunderdog.com. We continue with your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. Tom is listening in Grand Rapids to WTKG. Hello, Tom. Yes, sir. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I just, uh, uh, first of all, I wanted to commend you for your, your program there. A lot of thought-provoking uh, subjects come up. Thank you, sir. As I listen on a Saturday night, and that's always good. What have we provoked but, within you tonight? Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, you know, you brought up that, that term limits thing there, and, I, you know, I got to think about that. I, you know, reality is you ought to just leave them alone. If people want to elect somebody for 30 terms or 20 terms or 10 terms or one, I think they have a right to be elected as many times as they can get people to vote for them. Well, well they, hopefully they would the leave me alone, too, but they don't do that. I, I would, I'd be happy to leave those people alone if they would just leave me alone. Why won't they? But you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's, yeah. that's reality is that's the freedom. We should, you should have the right to, to vote for me as many times as you want, and I should have a right to run as many times as I want. And uh, If the people get sick of somebody enough, then they vote them out. Unfortunately, people are, are, are too preoccupied with all kinds of uh, uh, other issues in their lives, so therefore... They don't spend the time uh, getting to know the issues and, uh, of course, voting people out who should be voted out. That's the problem we got right there. That's now, you the know, problem. I was I was thinking about this, uh, the same thing. And I was uh, I went recently, uh, it was last weekend, I think, I went to the Republican State Convention here in New Hampshire. Fun time had by all. 
I mean, Sounds it was awful. It was it was great. Party mm-hmm. balloons, uh, free little yeah, finger you know. sandwiches, delicious. <laughs> so you know, I, I went there. I am reasonably plugged in. I can name my representative. Uh, the you know the representative mm-hmm. for my and the two senators for my state, and that makes me in the top one percent of the nation. Because I Goodness I'd be willing company. to bet that most people can't do that. I probably can't. However. I still don't know how every candidate feels on every issue, and it turns out that I was supporting a candidate that was, uh, you know, not as good on the issues as another candidate, um, you know, from my same standpoint. And I was wrong, and it was after I'd voted or or whatever, and I found that I found out. But you know, this is uh, this little rabbit hole goes a very, very long way, which is try to figure out, you know, who is the best candidate, and it's, you know, it's impossible. I'm plugged in, and I don't know. You know, could I say something? Yeah. The problem is that they're, they're stinking politicians. And you know what? A politician says what you want to hear. They don't tell you how mm. they truly feel. I mean, they may, they may in some ways take a stand on this issue or that issue, you know, which they all do. But in reality, they're just trying to garner support for their little uh, agenda, whatever it might be. Sure. I mean, they'll tell you, it, especially when they're when they come door to door and they're knocking on the door and talking to you. They can tell you anything they want at that door sure. that door meeting, and then you know do whatever they want once so they get to Washington. So what's the point then? I mean, if that's the case, then what's the point in uh, in even knowing anything or even participating? Well, that's it. That's the position we're in right now. I mean, Indeed, you know, I think the people people have to start uh, becoming more aware, learning the issues, and then voting accordingly. Unfortunately, it may cause a lot of chaos in this country because uh, you know this two party system. It's, it's caused so many problems. Uh, you know, they give you you got to vote the lesser of evils. You know, and in reality, you're just only uh, you're supporting the the uh, the problem. Uh, There's no doubt about that. that. That's yeah. why I can't do it. I can't bring myself uh, in most cases to something. vote to vote for the lesser of two evils. I have to have I have to have a choice of somebody who is significantly not so evil. And I thank you for the call. And it's very rare that there there is an election like that. Thank you for the, the thoughts. And 800-259-9231 is the number for you. So if it's this whole voting thing, it's it's such it's such a, a sham. Uh, yeah, it really is. It's such a sham. I mean, I'm not you know so they'll tell you that if you don't vote, you can't complain. But you know as well as I do that you've walked into the voting booth before and said, "Oh, that's a nice name. I like that one," and just voted for somebody you don't mm. have the foggiest clue who it is they are, and you just especially those races where they don't even have where they're uh, you know they don't give you a political party whether. They call that nonpartisan. The nonpartisan races. When you like voting for judges and things in Florida, you mm-hmm. voted for judges. What business do I have of voting for a judge? I mean, I, I I didn't know these people from Adam, and I'd just go in and pick a name and write it in because, well, I voted. Now I could complain. Come on. I mean, what a what what a platitude that is. It just doesn't make any sense. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Continuing with your thoughts, Clint, listening to WSC FM in Charleston, South Carolina. Hello, Clint. How are you? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, um, I've been listening to the uh, term limits ideas, and you know, neither here nor there. I actually originally called to say that we should look at you know, kind of downsizing the uh, the lobbyist uh, input into our government, and to try to somehow control that, which seems like a pie in the sky kind of dream, because once those politicians take that money and take that support, they owe those people for as long as they can stay in power. So mm-hmm. I understand that. I get that. But listening to you talk, I had come up with just a radical idea. Oh, we have we have all this money that we put into the re-election campaigns for our politicians. You know, what if we, with technology, 
it is, what if we were able to set up a website or something for these candidates where you, as a voter, if you wanted to educate yourself, you could go there or call an 800 line, you know, put the money into having that information available so that you can get what you want instead of having the media force it down your throat. Well, the candidates have their own websites, uh, but they can still tell you whatever they want to tell you on there. I mean, just because a candidate says one thing doesn't mean Jack Hill of Beans when they actually yeah. get elected. When I mean, you, look at Barack Obama. Agree. If you ask these uh, organizations, agree. if you ask these organizations out there that actually try to get to nail the candidate down on a particular issue, one of that's coming to mind is these uh, these tax organizations. They'll try to get the the candidate to, to sign some pledge that says, well, "I promise not to grow the government uh, through taxes." Blah 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 blah. When yeah. you try to get them nailed down on something, these people just get slippery as they could be. Um, some of them won't fill don't fill it out because they didn't know that uh, they were supposed to fill it out because they get all kinds of these surveys, and once they uh, start being a candidate. So it's it's really it's very 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 difficult. Or they'll they'll take a position and then they'll completely reverse on it when they get elected. And everybody knows they do this, but yet they keep believing that some of this you know some one of these new politicians is going to be different. They're going to be the outstanding person that will actually honor their word. You know, George W. Bush uh, was elected, or George uh, yeah George George Bush, the recent one, uh, was elected with campaign signs. I remember this that read in the year two thousand, smaller government, and he, he did nothing of the sort. And and then Barack Obama elected on this idea of ending the war, and he's done nothing of the sort. Uh, and so it's just they're just all full of it. I thank you for the call. appreciate the thoughts at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. They're a little more accountable on a local level, the, the politicians, and maybe it's worth it to learn a few things about them there because you could actually, to some level, have uh, interactivity with them. But the federal guys, you know, they're just a bunch of jokers. More coming up. So, you want to move to New Hampshire for liberty? nhmove.info has articles, links, and activism alerts to help you decide exactly where and how to make your move. Even job listings. Browse the inventory of liberty blogs, sites, and media, or promote your own efforts, all free, at nhmove.info. If you're moving to New Hampshire, you better go now and bookmark nhmove.info. Take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. Just dial in toll-free to the number that is brought to you by SACL CAI. That number is 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy a lot of stuff there, and it's all totally free. One of the many features we have is our webcam. You can watch, you can listen, you can interact. Our chat room is built into the same page as the cam, so head on over to cam.freetalklive.com to enjoy that. That's cam.freetalklive.com. It's brought to you free by memorydealers.com. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. They offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers that are 100% compatible with all the major networking equipment manufacturers at up to 99% off of list price. Uh, a optical transceiver, for those that don't know, is a, is a you know kind of a, a high end piece of equipment for the the big guys that do um, inter- internet connectivity. But they also have memory over there, and they have uh, great prices and services on used networking equipment such as Cisco routers and switches. It's all in stock, ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. We continue with your phone calls about what you want, and ladies come first here on Free Talk Live. So let's talk to Christina in Tallahassee, listening to WFLA FM. Hello, Christina. 
there. Uh, it's an interesting topic. It's been bandied about a long time about, um, you know, term limits. But years ago, when I found out that Al Gore's father, who retired at some $60,000 a year as a senator, is making more in retirement than he ever made as a senator because they have a neat deal that when they retire after doing, I think, two year, two terms as a senator, they get a lifetime pension, and they get the same pay increases the senators get. Wow. And I think if we get rid of the pension program, we will not have to worry about term limits because they won't want to stay in there. It'll actually be a service to the country to be a public servant. Well, I'm and in favor. They won't get anything out of it. I'm in favor of what you're saying. I mean, that makes sense to get rid of the pension program. I think that you know, not paying them at all would be fine. I'm uh, that all makes sense. But that's not the only reason why they get in, right? Because they are also getting perks from the lobbyists, and there's uh, there's power involved, and and being able to wield well, sure, that power. Sure, there's always the power, but the right. problem is, is if you do six, what six to twelve years as a senator, you get a cushy, you know, what hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. Oh, yeah. And a pension. I mean, come on. Nobody that, gets that kind of golden parachute these days. That 160. I, I understand what you're saying, but that 160 is chump change compared to what those guys are spending. And well, I, I would that's what scares me. Can't, can't you just add the caveat that they can't work for anybody if they've had anything to do with signing their legislation that would affect that business? They'll the find a way around years. it. Uh, well, I, yeah, yeah, I suppose well, if, if, we could, thieves, if we could put you in charge, that would be really great. But, however, <laughs> the problem is getting getting you somehow there so that you right. could make this legislation. <laughs> and then you have to work with the other 534 of these, uh, well, thieves the, in, the, 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 in the Thieves Guild there in Washington, D.C., to somehow get the Thieves Guild to say, to all right, <laughs> here at the Thieves Guild, we will no longer pay fellow thieves <laughs> as much as we do. And We're cutting our thieves. By ten percent, we won't. We'll know, yeah. Once you're done with the thieves' guild, you can't work with the thieves' guild in any way, shape, or form. I, I just I, you seems know, pretty unlikely. I think you'd be better off telling your local state to uh, to you know stop having anything to do with Washington D.C. I I think it's a simpler message. That that might be a simpler message, but I think if we take away some of the incentives and take away their ability to hold high positions that keep people from getting on various um, positions to make to bring. Bills to the floor. I mean, that's what happened in '94. But do you realize All the people that people who I mean, got what brought up there couldn't get anything to the floor to be voted on because they weren't in a committee? But don't you realize that what you're saying there is just pure fantasy? I mean, that, that Mark just pointed out that what you're talking about is not going to happen because Christina is not going to ever be in charge. And the people that uh, would agree with you on that are not going to be the people that are going to be running for political office on a message of, I want to cut my own salary. Th- those people aren't going to make it to Washington, D.C. So what D. is C. your solution, then, if, if we can't take the money away from them if we can't oh you can take the money from them people are pissed off yeah i'm with you man we've had it well if you've had it then uh then there are some solutions right because if you if you're sick and tired of uh, washington dc then that's when you know the other options start to open up for you because otherwise they get you distracted with all the well let's see what we can change about washington dc and then we'll spend all of our time and effort trying to make those changes and it'll always fail um the the solution is if it does succeed it it succeeds in some morphed form where it's really a zombie of its former self right uh so secession i think is probably the best solution possible but in order to secede effectively, you'd have to get the the idea, the meme of secession spread and accepted uh, by people. And they start anarchy, and they put some, uh, you know, antagonist provocateurs in some kind of a situation, create 
you know, unrest, order out of chaos, and they just get rid of everybody who would want to change anyway. I mean, we're basically screwed. You, you mean violence? You, you mean you believe that if you were to advocate secession, it were to become popular enough that they would use violence on the advocates of secession? <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't. Think so. I don't think she's necessarily wrong. Maybe, maybe you're right. Uh, but if that's the but case, they'll, they'll use the violence in the same way on people who advocate term limits too. I mean, become, if, if you actually become became about race, it'll become about uh, religion. It'll be. They'll bring up every card they can and put agent provocateurs in there to stir up violence. And certain segments of the population are ripe for violence. I can tell sure they you are. Sure they are. stories of people who used to, um, you know, spray pest control for companies. And they would go into certain things, I won't say who, but mm. certain segments of the population who they never, never saw firearms in their homes. And then all of a sudden, they started seeing FKSs and MAC-90s and cases of ammunition. They said, oh, my God, these people are ready to blow. Well, the way to handle it, that is to only associate with people who are not talking about violence, the people that are talking about peaceful solutions to our problems. Uh, uh, that would be great, but if they can powder keg a certain segment and they can get them to go off, then they've got their excuse to bring in martial law, anarchy, suspend the Constitution. They're going to have their... Well, the Constitution... Hey, you suspended. could suspend the Constitution anyway. It doesn't really matter. Because, I mean, it's yeah. not like they're going by it. The Constitution's long been <laughs> That's suspended. True. Uh, That's true, but it hasn't been publicly suspended, and we don't have martial law in the streets yet. But if it's your if it's your fear, well, it depends on where. I yeah, mean, right. Have you been to New York City? I went to the Financial District. They got guys with... Uh, I mean, they, they look like stormtroopers. They've got uh, MP5s slung over their shoulders. Mm-hmm. They're wearing these flak yeah, jackets. the average American is not walking in no. downtown. That's true. Indeed, it's Wall true. I'm just, when you I'm just start making the point. Armed guards on your on the on the corner of Main Street, America. My, and my street isn't worth putting an armed guard on. Please, you know. No, I just, agree with you. I, I, I don't know what the solution is. I just know that the American people are fed up, and we have to be very careful not to let somebody uh, antagonize or create a situation, and then watch what's happening behind the scenes because. Whatever you think is real, don't believe it if you see it on the nightly news, because they have a whole other agenda. I want to thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Now, what Christina had to say there is, I think, really indicative of the way a lot of people think, is that, well, I understand that you can't do anything significant to change Washington, D.C., but if we were to do something else, like radical, like secession, then they're just going to come in and, and kill us, or they're going to put troops in the streets, and we're going to have martial law, and then things will get even worse. So then they kind of lock themselves down into this, well, we can't do anything perspective. But look at what happens when you don't do anything. If you don't do anything— yeah, that's then, what we've got. Well, right. You get what you've got, and uh, the, what you've got is going in the direction of martial law anyway. I mean, if you look at everything that the federal government is doing and the, the laws that are being passed and the— as you mentioned, Mark, in New York City and now also Chicago and other big cities are starting to put the cameras up. They're starting now in uh, Philadelphia to do the, the bag searches on the, the subway stations. I mean, all kinds of police state stuff is coming down that pipe and uh, doing nothing is not going to stop that. So really, you have to ask yourself, what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to do if you know that the political system, at least at the federal level, is completely 
you know, pointless to be uh, to be working in. And I think that the Free State Project is a, is a really good solution. If you love liberty and if you understand what it means to be free, and that is you let other people be free in their lives so you can be free in yours, uh, if you get it about liberty, then go to freestateproject.org, read about it, get signed up, and start making plans to make the move up here to New Hampshire. We do not want the violent provocateurs. In fact, if you come up here and you start talking about violence, you will be on the outs. I don't want to associate with people like that because I only want people that have peaceful solutions uh, to the problems. Leave the violence in the hands of the state. They're the ones that are violent. And if if our side, the liberty-loving side, starts getting violent, then we'll just be made out to look like a bunch of kooks. And it will give them the excuse to crush us uh, as quickly and as, as violently as possible. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpaks, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves. This live Saturday edition of the program here brought to you by SACL CAI 800-259-9231. Hey, Mark, somebody called to ask, what is SACL CAI? Well, SACL CAI is a, a company that, that handles collections, the accounts receivable for other companies. Uh, they, they do collections, early out billing. They purchase charged-off receivables. Their employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers rather than uh, uh, you know, treating them badly or anything like that. They treat all their customers with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients too. SACL CAI, you can check out their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. SACL CAI. As we continue here, the, the proprietor, by the way, of uh, SACL CAI, Jason Osborne, is a longtime supporter of this program, and he's he's making the move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. As I understand it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's going to be here shortly. All right. So let's continue with your thoughts on whatever you want. Chuck is in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chuck. Chuck? I've been listening to you talk about secessionists, and I just want to tell you that secessionism is not going to work. If okay. you were to have some state that was able to secede, mm. you would just wind up with two lousy governments instead of one. What do you mean? Do you know of a state that other than maybe New Hampshire, that you would want to live in under the present government that the state offers? Well, well, I, I, would I don't that... want to get bogged down into that. I, want, I just want, I to agree. Throw some, I want to throw some pie at the sky for you for a minute, and then I want to suggest a solution. Okay. okay. Here's the pie in the sky. Reduce the size of the federal government to its constitutionally limited size. This would create a vacuum in the taxing and regulating departments, which would be quickly filled by the state. And then 50 states competing with each other with taxes and regulations, some state would stumble across something that was efficient. Right now, there is about 6.5 million state employees. What do you suppose their main job is? Collecting money for the state. No, their main job is to have a job next year. Okay. (laughs) Okay, now if their main job is to have a job next year, does that stimulate efficiency. No, it's nothing like efficiency. It's the exact opposite. So if we were to reduce the size of the federal government and create, turn our states into Kmarts and Walmarts competing with each other, 
then we would turn these six and a half million people from being service wasters into being service providers. Well, uh, maybe to some extent. I mean, I understand that what you're proposing there is kind of the original idea behind the country, right? Was that there would be these kind of the somewhat of a market of governments uh, competing for... First of all, in 1776, they didn't know anything about markets. Oh, they had. They knew you about know, the inv- uh, invisible hand. I mean, uh, Adam Smith had written his book in 1776. And, correct. You but know, Adam uh, Smith. You know, it's not like he created uh, the the marketplace. I mean, the the whole uh, English Revolution had been going on for at that point more than a hundred years. I mean, the, it was the Enlightenment period, and people had these ideas already. But he did a great job of putting it all together. Go on. It wasn't well established, though. I don't believe. I don't believe that the that the founders saw competition between states as a way of becoming efficient. I, I would I agree. Think that... they just thought, I think they thought that responsible leaders was going to make the, the state efficient. That sounds I, – I'll go for that. Well, let's go back yeah. to what you were saying in the, in the beginning there of your call um, about your question was uh, something to the effect of, well, would you want to live underneath the, the state government as opposed well, to the federal government? And I'd rather have a, a government uh, that is you know, two levels deep than three. I mean, I've got the local government, I've got the state government, and then I've got the federal government. And I'd much rather just have to deal with the local and the state. I don't want any of the above, uh, but sure. if, I, if I have to choose, I'll take two rather than three. You were talking earlier of that the states being addicted to the money. Well, the federal government gets the money from the states. The federal government prints its money. I mean, there's there's well, no attachment. You know, that's, that's true. There's that's no true. attachment to um, uh, you know spending and taxing that's for the federal true, government know, for the state governments the and local governments. Been, it is. That's one of the thoughts that's been percolating around inside my head. Is that so? What's that your solution? My my solution is is to have the states compete with each other. That's, well, yeah, secession's going to do that. I mean, no, it won't. Because yeah, secession yeah, will. will simply it will simply have two central governments that are all powerful, and they will be dictating to the whatever uh, political segments are. Depends on the, the depends that, on the direction the state goes after it secedes. I mean, the, 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 technically, okay, a state could become let's more take tyrannical. A look at Texas. But take if, a look at Texas. well, hold on. If if uh, New Hampshire is secedes and it's because of the liberty minded people that are moving yeah. here and getting active, then uh, I would think that New Hampshire would become very competitive in the marketplace of all the countries of the world. As far as I'd like to see it be the next Hong Kong, open up the borders, let people come in, make a better life for themselves. Uh, you know, get rid of as many taxes as you possibly. Can I mean I'd like to see the New Hampshire government go away I, I, as well? I agree with you. How far away is something like that? I mean I <laughs> how I'm far away is getting years the, old. I'm seventy one years old, and I'm not going to be moving to New Hampshire. Although it, yeah. I, I certainly do uh, applaud you know the movement. Realistically, it's a ways away, no doubt about it. But how far away or likely is it uh, that the federal government's going to get constitutional again? And you know that's even well, it might be more ludicrous. Uh, I sent you a statistic yesterday that said. Eighty percent of the American people already think that the federal government is doing too much. They're too big. I'd sure say do. that's about right. Okay, now, if 80 percent believe that it's too big, and we have this powerful Tea Party movement, and we have a lot of people that are in favor of the Declaration of Independence, and we have this free state movement, and I, I just don't think it is that far-fetched. 
You are quite the dreamer, and I appreciate that. I well, appreciate I, the optimism. I I, listen, I've been saying this for five years. I mean, yeah. I've been presenting this plan for five years. Can you imagine how far away it was five years ago? Chuck, I appreciate the optimism. I just don't see the Tea Party as anything more than just a Republican rallying point. I agree. And... I agree. But they all believe that government is too big. That's, that's what they say. But then when they're given the opportunity to do something about it, they make they're government bigger. They're not going to be given the opportunity. They're not going to be given the opportunity because the only ones that are going to get into power are the ones that sell out to the power structure. That's true. Otherwise, they're not going to get into power. You're right about that, and that's why I say there's no point in bothering to try to change the uh, the feds. Well, no, no. What I'm saying is, is there are millions of Tea Party people who are good people, and they're mm-hmm. honest people, and they are primed for reducing the size of the federal government. And the Declaration of Independence is the roadmap. It is the diagram for a federal government. The, the second paragraph to the Declaration of Independence, if we were to adopt it as a mission statement for our federal government, we would know exactly, everybody in this country would know exactly what the federal government is supposed to do. Chuck, thanks right for the now, call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. So, yeah, it may be true that the Tea Parties are you know, made up of, in some parts, I think that there are different people that attend the Tea Parties. I think you've got a spectrum between you know, more anarchist types all the way up to the so-called small government Republicans that really just want to make the military as big as they possibly can. I think you've got a spectrum of people that attend those parties. But the, you know, he may be right. Millions of people do want to see uh, a lot smaller government, no doubt about it. But those people aren't running for political office. And if they are running for political office, the system will corrupt them and they will get, the, get a hold of power. And then all of a sudden, instead of reducing the size of government. They want to focus on the programs they think are important and expanding those. I mean, the, the Republicans were elected with the mandate of uh, reducing the size of government in the 1990s, and they got in total control in the aughts, and they did nothing. They made it bigger. They did nothing to reduce the size. They made it much, much bigger. Yeah, larger. they did plenty. <laughs> so <laughs> Stuff their pockets full of cash as and, often as they could. <laughs> and if they get in control again, they're going to do the same thing. So 1-800-259-9231 is the number. Let's continue with your thoughts and talk to, I believe we've got Ernest, all the way up in Anchorage, listening to Kudo. Hello, Ernest. Hello, gentlemen. Hey. Uh, yes, uh, kind of kind of had a question about, I, 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 I've been following you today, and I, I just, so it sounds like you are libertarians. I used to use that term for myself. I would use the term uh, neo-abolitionist today. Oh, God. <laughs> Abolitionist. Uh, I heard. I also heard something about uh, vol- volunteerism. So that's kind of like a neo-abolitionist, vol- vo- voluntary society, perhaps, or consensualist. Yeah, libertarian is an old term, and it really sure. has been has been kind of ruined by. Uh, I'll take libertarian by people that. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I I guess uh, I don't know. I mean, one thing I've, I've noticed is that it seems like you hear a lot about the government. And you don't hear anything about multinational corporatism. Sure. Basically, I I, I don't see the difference between I I'm skeptical and and wary of 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 a multilateral corporatism, or we'll just say corporatism as, as, as much as I am. Government. Sure, I don't blame you. They're they're pretty much two peas in the same pod. Uh, and I'll let you yeah, come back. If you want to come back here in hour number three, you're welcome to hang on. We can discuss that a little bit further because it's an important point. Uh, in fact, governments are corporations. It's all legal fiction. 800-259-9231 and governments uh, help 
the multinational corporations and the multinational corporations help governments. More coming up. Hour three is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Hey, everybody. Scott Horton here for FreedomCam.net. From coast to coast, the increasingly militarized American police state has grown out of control. Peace officers have become law enforcement. The old doctrines of minimal force have fallen by the wayside. Cops are now trained to use overwhelming force in virtually every situation, resulting in an epidemic of police brutality across our society. I say fight back while you still can. Film the cops and put it on YouTube. A critical mass of police brutality videos is being assembled online, and a change is going to come. Police perjury is no match for instant replay. Freedomcam.net offers discreet video cameras to help you avoid confiscation while checking power and protecting yourself. Freedomcam.net. Kicking off the third hour of the program, you can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, main feature of the site actually allows you, the listener, to control the content on the site. Uh, you surf around the web, find something you think is pretty special you want to share with our listeners, you just submit it to freetalklive.com. You should submit as show prep, as we say on the site. And then other listeners will vote on whether they like your submission or not. You get to vote on things, too. The most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the website at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. If you're frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live and are tired of the oppressive state and ever intruding into your business and personal life, well, what if you knew that thousands of liberty-minded people were all moving to the same place and getting active? Would you join them? I did. And you can, too. Go to freestateproject.org. Join up. Get yourself on up here to New Hampshire. If you love freedom, that is. Go to freestateproject.org. As we go to the phones and the fun, I think we've still got Ernest with us listening in Anchorage, Dakota. Ernest? Yeah. Go ahead. I did did stay on. We got kind of a poor connection. But um, I I, – actually, there was – you know, you you always organize to a threat. And and that becomes what it becomes an institution. It's it becomes government. You, so if they, or or you organize not to a threat, but not just to a threat, but maybe to you can do together something better for the group that than you can alone. So you say, okay, well, instead of everybody digging their own well here to get water down to this ranch land. We'll uh, we'll all we'll, we'll all just dig one big old trough down and we'll water all our we'll ranch land together. It'll be much more efficient. So you organize this this quote organ institution to deal with your water problem. That that is is what the humans do. Or or you organize to a threat. And I I don't know. I I guess what I'm trying to understand what you where you guys are at. You're saying everything's voluntary. Everybody's out for themselves. So therefore, uh, we don't have any. You know, there's no. We're not going to worry about anything. We're just going to let free markets. We're going to let 
uh, free will, everything is going to that's going to just make this wonderful utopia. Well, well, we, I'd um, like to point. I'd like to. I'd like to speak to this. Uh, the idea that the government is efficient. You suggested the, build, the the government building the one big well is going to be efficient, and you know that's that's the the idea, right? If we all get together and we do something, and, and there certainly is an economy of scale. However, something happens when you turn that economy of scale over to the government. It it, it somehow screws it up, and I can't honestly speak to exactly how it is. But once the government gets involved, efficiency is out the window. Well, they it's just because of incentives. It gets too big. Well, it gets too big. Well, no, it's because of incentives. It's because the government can just steal whatever they want from people, so they have no incentive to do things efficiently or correctly. And to your question of whether or not we are, or whether we're out for ourselves, or that uh, the the society that I might envision is where everybody's in it for themselves, I think is uh, is a misunderstanding. Uh, Because in order to succeed in the marketplace, you have to give people what they want. Uh, when there's when there's the potential for competition, when anybody can jump into a field and compete with you, if you aren't satisfying your customers, then you will not get what you want for yourself. So in order for me to be a success, I have to help other people be successful. Uh, in order for me to be wealthy, I have to help other people experience you know what it is they're looking for, get the product that they need, get the service that uh, that they need. So in, inherently, you have to be out for others in order to be out for yourself in the first place. If you're just out for yourself, you're going to come off, you're going to be greedy and you're you're never going to succeed. Well, yeah, I understand those concepts. Well, and so and you're taking, I I just made that example about uh, people coming together and saying we're going to, we're going to get this water to our ranches. That's, that's, that becomes a form of, uh, I called it, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but it's basically governing our water supply. But so, but we're taking it to the nth degree of the U.S. government today, which is a colossus, inefficient. It's huge. It's 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 all. I'm agreeing. Right, with if it. you've got people that are getting together voluntarily, if you've got people that? that are getting, if the farmers are getting together voluntarily to big to dig a big well because it's more efficient, then that's great. That makes sense. That's a right. consensual interaction between human beings. The problem comes in when those farmers decide, well, we've got 99 farmers here, and that hundredth farmer over there doesn't like our plan, but we're going to go ahead and just steal some money from him or steal some land from him. And we're just going to do whatever the f we want. Screw him and what he wants. And that's where the problem comes in is when people are forced to participate in a system that they may have. Of inherent disagreements with. So I think that already, anything... on a, already on a small scale, we're seeing problems. Is what you're saying? You know, we're we're down to a hundred ranchers, and one decides he doesn't want to go. So we're already seeing problems. I agree with that. So 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 I mean, I I, I understand where you're going with that. Let let me let me bring up something in in today's world what we sure. have, and you've discussed earlier. It's uh, it was it was immigration, and a problem I see with that is. That there, the reason we want to stem immigration, that is the way I understand it. The way I, well, the reason I want to stem immigration is because, at least to the, the levels it is now, is because you always have a, you have a surplus of labor. That's a given on this planet. There is so much more labor than there is employment. That you are going to drive wages to the subsistence level. There's no way else it can go unless you organize and say, "Okay, we got to we got to limit this well, at least to keep." That's keep that's not true. Okay, because there's a living look, which we which live at. If we all want to live down there, 
with just enough to eat and just enough Tell, to clothe no. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You're, you're, uh, 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 let me let me hop in. In California right now, they can't get the crops picked because they don't have enough labor. Why? Because the government's cracked down on people coming here illegally, and it's it's just not as the the incentives aren't as high for people to to hire illegally. Now, I'm not for people coming illegally. I'm for the government getting out of the business of controlling labor. But what I'd like to point out is, I will pick lettuce for you, dude. But I will do it at hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Do you understand? So that's going to drive up your cost of lettuce. You're saying that wages will go uh, that you know if you let more uh, labor in here, that wages will go down, and that's true in some areas. Remember. That's mostly how the United States functioned throughout its existence. And we built the strongest government and, and uh, country that the world had ever seen by having largely open immigration. All right. So um, the, the this this bugbear that that you're whipping out here is is just not so. Well, uh, OK. Um, um, discussion is enlightened. Me. I, I, I just see the world today is is is. is it's a different place than it was earlier in the century, in, in the last century. Or in, no, in, the in, economics in, are still well, the it's, same. It's true that the world's different, that we now would have to pay some kind of all, all kinds of welfare for people that are coming here. And I, that, I suggest that we would have that, to change that. that. Not even, that not even taken into consideration. We have a, a global market for labor. All our factories are being offshored. Right. And That's because, the result because, of our immigration policy, for one. Look, if if even if it's true that uh, wages go down, you have to remember that if wages go down, prices can go down as well, and so therefore people will be able to afford more things with less. Uh, but beyond that, it's my understanding that when uh, that what you presented as economic fact is not necessarily true. If you actually had a free marketplace, and we do not, uh, we never have. But if you have- if if you actually have a free marketplace, then everybody is free to start their own business. They don't have to ask some government bureaucrat's permission and pay bribes in order to enter into a particular segment of the marketplace. So all the people that are coming here wouldn't necessarily be taking jobs. Many of them would be creating them. Uh, in fact, if you look at uh, at entrepreneurs in this country, a significant amount of them are are immigrants. Uh, they they come here looking for a better life, and they know that a better life isn't going to be made working for some one else. Uh, they want to start their own businesses, but in many cases, they're prevented from doing so because they don't have whatever, they haven't jumped through whatever arbitrary hoops the government bureaucrats have put up in front of them. So, in a free marketplace, everybody can start their own business, they can be entrepreneurs, they can hire people, they can create the products and services that they want to, and they can compete in the market. And that does mean that, in, in many cases, wages will go down, and of course, the minimum wage laws are some of the things that are actually driving jobs out of this country, because companies here can't compete with wages uh, around the rest of the world. They're artificially inflated by the government, and the statistics show that minimum wage, every time it's raised, puts poor people out of jobs. Ernest, I thank you for the call. There's more coming up. Time for your calls as well. Free Talk Live. In the decades to come, hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1, the first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series, is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. This 
is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the feature, uh, the features on our site for free. So enjoy those on us. You'll find all kinds of stuff there, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, we've got them. Last week's worth right there on the front page of the website. And if you click into the archive section, that'll take you back all the way to late 2006, and it's all free for you, courtesy of HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com. HostGator's a worldwide leader for web hosting. They make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. Whether you want to create your very own, uh, whether you want to create a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, you can create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. They've got more than 3,000 templates over there. If you go through host gator.freetalklive.com you'll get your first month completely free of web hosting at hostgator it's hostgator.freetalklive.com all right so 800-259-9231 that is the SACL CAI toll free line and you can bring up whatever's on your mind uh, whether it's economics or bigotry as we started out talking the show about here tonight anything goes 800-259-9231 let's go to Mike, listening in Tennessee to the TJ Network. Hello, Mike. Mike, you got to turn down your radio. Otherwise, we're going to get a really confusing situation. Are you there? All right. You are on the air, Mike. Yeah, um, I was calling in about that uh, comment you made about jobs going overseas. Yes, sir. And I, I, I think there's, there's actually a dual reason for that. Okay, I, 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 did, not, I did point out that it was one of many reasons why uh, jobs have gone overseas, but please go ahead and point out another one. Yes. Um, the thing is, in the industry I work in, I, I work in the computer industry. Okay. Okay. A lot of our jobs are going overseas simply because it can be done cheaper over there. People will take a cheaper wage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, I would, I would draw that relation back to government in the fact that, I mean, most of the people in my field have to get a college degree. The colleges are, are pretty much dictated by the government and they're their own bureaucracy. But at the same time, I mean, I can't work. I can't work and provide for my family on what people overseas will work for. Sure. So it's it, it's it's there's a bunch of issues. There's regulation. There's uh, you know minimum wage laws. There's uh, you know immigration. There, there's a bunch of reasons why it's happened. But it's all been put together. The idea that somehow you can force businesses to work in a climate that is you know unconducive to pr- producing uh, products and services that will actually sell in the marketplace. Well, this is true. But I mean, the thing is, there are certain areas of, of the computer industry, for example, okay. that, I mean, by their very nature, have to remain local. I chose very early on to stay in the support side of the industry. I work on people. I actually go out and physically work on the computer at the desk. Mm-hmm. Okay? You can't pay someone overseas to come out and work at the computer at the desk. No, nope. you can't. Okay? Um, but now you can pay someone overseas to write the program for that desk. Sure for that PC. The thing is, I mean, you, you also got to have a reason to keep those jobs local. Either you provide better service, uh, better sure. understandability in some cases, or just a flat, better product. 
Right. Well, and also, and, you're right about all that. It would also help if the government didn't uh, encourage jobs to go overseas by making it difficult to run a business. Well, this is true. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, a lot of it, though, I mean, like I said, you have to, when you go to school nowadays, you have to look at uh, uh, not just can I make a decent living, but you have to take a look at how easy is it to transfer my job somewhere else. It's always a good a good question, and, and it doesn't even matter if we're talking about overseas, but your job is always in jeopardy. And I thank you for the call, because anytime you've got a job, it's not really yours, is it? It's uh, it's the business owners, and they're allowing you to fill that position. Maybe they'll decide to get rid of you and put a kid in uh, in your position. I mean, when you were 17, you probably were working for less than you are when you were 27 or 37 or 47. So if uh, you can bring a 17-year-old in, and he knows as much about programming or as, as computer repair as you do, and I can tell you when I was 17, I was going around fixing people's computers, uh, then they're going to do it for less. So you've always got that possibility, right? There's always that chance that whoever it is that actually owns that job, the boss, is going to decide that, well, he likes you personally, but you just, you cost too much. A boss doesn't necessarily own a job. We've said that on the show before, um, but a, a, a job... They created the job. A and job is a creation it. between two people, because the fact is that I can do a job, uh, some jobs, better than my 17-year-old counterpart can do them. So when I come to a job, I create my own job at the same time. The very fact that I'm fulfilling uh, you know, the need of an employer, it changes the paradigm. When well, somebody else is brought in it's it's different a job is a is a uh, an agreement between two people obviously it takes two mark but only one person's in control and that's the person who runs the business a job isn't anything though a job is an agreement between people and the agreement changes when they change uh when they change the person with whom they've made the agreement right right but the person who ultimately gets to decide No, it's not the person who ultimately gets to decide. You're wrong. I decide every day whether or not I want to go to work. Well, yeah, you can decide to leave, but uh, if you really like your job and you want to stay at it, that's not your decision. The the person who decides that is the person who pays you. uh, Ian, you and the boss. It's a decision. It's an agreement between people. You cannot have a boss without an employee. You can't have an employee without a boss. So the the boss doesn't own the job, and the employee doesn't own the job. Uh, It's an agreement between people, and the government shouldn't be stepping in and telling people what kind of agreements they can make. Right. I agree with you that the government shouldn't be stepping in, but to suggest that uh, the person who created the opportunity for that employee to fill in the first place is somehow not in charge of it or not uh, owning that is, I think, ludicrous. If I hadn't offered that position in the first place, then it wouldn't be available for you to take. Now, you could come in and propose to me and say, you know, I think you could use this kind of technician here at your business, and here's why I'd make a great this kind of technician, and you should create a job for me. Maybe you'd convince me to do that. But if I, if you don't convince me as the owner to create that position, there's no job for you. So uh, ownership is about control, isn't it? I Ownership is about control, sure. Yeah. So the person and I who own owns my labor, job, and when I bring it to a to an agreement, yeah. you own your labor, but you don't own the position. You don't own the job. There is no job if I don't work it. There, there is if somebody else will. Indeed, that's an yeah. agreement with a different person. You've only made no my duh. point. Thank you very much. I haven't made your take, point. Take some callers. You're not with... even good at this. Oh. <laughs> Right. What you're you're arguing, Mark, that the business owner doesn't actually control the job, and it's ludicrous. The the employee controls the job too. 
Right. The employee controls whether he or, sh- he or she shows up. The business up. owner only controls the same thing that the employee does, and that is whether or not they're going to continue the agreement on mm-hmm. into the future. They both are equal partners in the agreement. Are they equal partners? They certainly are. No, I don't think, yep. I don't think so. One person lays out what they want to see. The other person lays out what they want to see. If they can't come together on what they want to see... It's a mutually beneficial agreement, no doubt about equal that. Partners. But if they were equal partners, then the employee could fire the boss and keep his job. <laughs> you can't do it that way. The, the, the boss fires the employee. He doesn't keep the job either. The, go, the job has disappeared. At that moment. It, but indeed, he can hire somebody else. That's what else. we're talking about. I said a job's an agreement. Okay, that's fine. And one person has a little bit more sway in that agreement than no. the other. Yeah. 800-259-9231. You bring up anything. In times of economic instability, precious metals are the best hedge against inflation and can be a great investment opportunity. Bullion Investment Corporation is the gold standard in precious metal acquisition. Whether you're in the market for gold, silver, platinum, or palladium, you can leverage up to 400% by taking advantage of the Purchase Power Program. And don't forget about the low price guarantee. BIC will meet or beat the price of any other broker. Bullion Investment Corporation, proudly serving our clients for over 25 years. For more information, call Bullion Investment Corporation now at 1-888-486-1275 or visit goldbullion.net. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want, dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there free. So head on over there and enjoy the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing their listeners of this program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com, see it for yourself. And if you're a lady listener, you can get the details on becoming part of the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Real money. Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You can get paid to promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups. It's really just a system to sell high-priced silver rounds. You can check them out at DellValleySilver.com. Get a hold of uh, Karen to get started at DellValleySilver.com. All right, so uh, we continue here taking your calls. Dion is on the line in Monroe listening to KBYO-FM. Hello, Dion. Hello, good evening. Hey, what's um, Until the last few years, I really haven't paid a whole lot of attention to our political situation, but one thing that I've noticed is, of course, the Democrats and Republicans like to fight, and they like to throw lots of things back and forth. And my question is, how can we get a choice on a ballot for us citizens for term limits? I mean, there are things that I wouldn't even have voted on, especially like this thing going to Pakistan for $190 million for their flood relief, or excuse me, $190 billion, excuse me. I was off there. Uh, How do it you... seems like these lame ducks, when they become lame ducks, like I said, I've only had a few years to pay attention to it because I spent my whole life working. Mm-hmm. But by God, I'm aggravated I'm more than aggravated. How do you get term limits on a ballot? Well, well I, I'd the- say that what you should do is uh, there's there. I know of at least one state that that has term limits. You can move to the uh, the the Liberty Utopia of Ohio, where uh, term limits have solved all their problems with their politicians. <laughs> yeah, 
Ohio's as corrupt as anywhere else. Yeah, right? yeah, it sure is. <laughs> um, but if you really wanted to get a ter- term limits on the ballot, then you'd have to live in a state in which you could uh, somehow get petitions signed to get something on the ballot. And term it's... limits create lame ducks. They don't solve the lame duck problem. Well, no, yeah, but it seems like maybe I'm wrong here. Like I said, I've only been paying attention to this mm-hmm. for about two years now. It seems like the lame ducks will vote for the things that they wouldn't have normally voted for because their sure. party didn't want it, eh? Are because they didn't want it. I agree. Uh, that would be a different system that would solve that problem, though. If you're talking about you know, the problem is lame ducks, the answer isn't term limits, the, uh, because term limits are actually going to create more lame ducks rather than fewer. Um, the answer to that, if if that is such, if there is such a thing, is that on election the day after election day, the politicians should get kicked out. Uh, I mean, you know, we're dealing with a, an old system that was set up. Uh, you know, the the president doesn't go in until January. I don't think they. I think they revised that from March, uh, like a hundred years ago so it's a hundred year old technology that we're dealing with when we know the results of elections by 11 o'clock at night you want to talk about old technology government is thousands of years old that's a really bad one that we just need to get rid of in general and i thank you for the call tonight dean i appreciate hearing from you uh good luck getting anything on the ballot it's a real challenge in the states that actually have that you've got to have some serious money behind your effort and you've got to pay professional petition signature collectors. And some states have it. Some states don't. I remember in Florida, they, they did have that. Uh, but you needed, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of signatures, I believe, in order to get something on the ballot. I, it wasn't. I mean, the state's, what, 19, 20, 22 million or something like that. It's an incredibly right. large state. So I'd imagine you needed a lot, too. Obviously but once they did, doable. got it on there, you know, it, it always passed. They, right. they, they, they voted for the choo-choo before they voted against the choo-choo. Uh, the bullet train or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, let's continue and uh, bring up John in Farrisville listening to WSVG. John, you're on Free Talk Live in Virginia. Hello there. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, uh, I don't know. It kind of rem- uh, reminded me of some things. Uh, I heard a congressman and everything talking about some stuff uh, today. Uh, um, you know, uh, even if the Republicans sit there and take over, um, there's still going to be some problems. <laughs> sure there. I mean, look at what happens when the Republicans were in charge. They made the government way bigger than it was before. Yeah, I know. I know, guys. It, it just makes me so mad and everything to think and everything that, you know, being that he's in there and everything is still going to be more major of a problem. So what's going to be? I, what's, wait, who's in where and what problem? Uh, Obama. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, Obama's a problem, as George Bush was a problem. Every president sort of builds on the tyranny that the other ones created. So, uh, you know, had Obama been elected in 2000 and George Bush been elected in 2008, George Bush would be the worst president ever. Instead, Obama's the worst president yet. Uh, it's just they just keep getting worse as, as time goes on. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Anything else you want to share tonight? Uh, no, sir. Thanks for the call, John. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. It's very frustrating. And this, uh, you know, this, this percurrent political marketplace, you, you look at it and it's, it's, there is no solution. Voting for the Republican stinks. Voting for the Democrat stinks. Uh, they all grow the government. It all gets larger. It's all corrupt. And what's what's a person to do? It's it's not an easy question to answer. You have learn to about be, liberty. Yeah. Well, you have to learn, you have to learn what liberty is and and why it's helpful to everyone. Right. Because what the Republicans are talking about when they talk about freedom is not real freedom. They they're not talking of any even close uh, to what true liberty is. 
so educate yourself about liberty. And there's some good resources uh, that you can use to do that. Lots of great stuff online. Of course, the for the more academic of our listeners, they probably enjoy the Mises Institute. I like the more easy-to-read stuff like uh, Healing Our World by Dr. Mary Ruart, which is available free for you in uh, – PDF and ebook form over at book.freekeen.com. That's book.freekeen.com. And it talks a lot about honoring your neighbor's choices. Because if you want your choices to be honored, you have to honor other people's choices first. You have to allow others to be free if you yourself uh, wish to be free. And one of the things she talks about in the in uh, her book, Healing Our World, is entrepreneurial uh, spirit and the in people getting out there and creating the the job or the service, the the product that they want to, and marketing it and and doing it without getting the government's permission first. And how the government really just destroys those things. So to come back around to the conversation we were having earlier, Mark, I don't want to make it sound like I am uh, trying to disempower somebody who is an employee. I think that they have as much. Uh, power in a situation of a job as the employer does as far as they can leave any time they want to. They're not forced to work at that job. They can come in and they can negotiate. They can say, well, I'll work here, but it's going to have to be for this rate, or you're going to need to provide these sorts of benefits. If you think that I'm talented enough you know, to take this position, then here's what you need to do for me. So they've got negotiation on their side, and they've got the ability to leave, and they've got the ability to uh, to go, or they should, excuse me, they should have the ability to step away and start their own business. Of course, government prevents that from happening. Government prevents the employees from going out and starting their own businesses by creating regulations and licensing that make it cost prohibitive in many cases for those employees to go out and do those things. So that means that they're kind of stuck, a lot of them, or at least they feel this way, they feel stuck in the rut of having to find another job. Sure, and it's I think difficult. that can be disempowering. It, it's difficult. It, it is. It's hard to go out and, and, and make your own way in the world, but that is that is the option that an employee has. And it's certainly easier to go and work from nine to five for an employer. I mean, you're not going to likely in the, the long run be as rewarded as you would if you went and worked for yourself. No way. You're rewarding the employer. You're right. working for them. And, but it's an agreement. It's business. an agreement between two people that allows the uh, the one person to essentially exchange. If you go out and start your own uh, tile floor tiling business today, you're going to have some lean years in the early in the early time. That's how it is when you start any business, and, and then and you know as time goes by, you're going to you know things are going to work a little better and a little better. That's how it was for Free Talk Live when we started, and now we're getting to the point that we're actually making a few bucks here and there. So um, you know that's that's the way it goes when you start your own business. That's why being an employee is easier. But, you know, the points you were making that an employer somehow has control, um, they have no more control than the employee does. An employee chooses every single day whether they want to go to work. That I, I agree with you when, you when you phrase it in that way. What I was simply saying is that employee would have no opportunity had that opportunity not been created in the first place. They have all kinds of opportunity. They just have an in opportunity. In one with, place sure. is what I'm talking about. Sure. They wouldn't have that exact opportunity had it not been created for them by the person who uh, invested in that business. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson, Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to AppleseedInfo.org. That's AppleseedInfo.org. This is Free 
Talk Live. You can bring up what you want, even these remaining moments. There is enough time for your call. 800-259-9231. This live Saturday edition of the program. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com, where if you enjoy this program, you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier to help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. If that's valuable to you, if you enjoy the show, then all we ask is three bucks a month. You go to amp.freetalklive.com, get signed up there with any major credit card, uh, PayPal. Also, some alternative options are available as well. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll also learn about some of the perks you get access uh, to, like our amp-only call-in lines, the amp-only forum, uh, the amp-only podcast, which is a version of our podcast that doesn't have the commercials that uh, the regular podcast does. So you get perks, and we uh, get help. From you, So, for instance, the amp dollars that are coming in are going in, they're being reinvested in buying ads to reach out to radio stations. So we're going to a convention here in a couple weeks, so in about two weeks you're going to hear different voices on the Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. We're going to keep the show live because I think that's really important. Uh, I don't know, when's the last time we did a refeed? It's been years. Yeah, it, refeeds only happen. If, I think it was when we moved some here. disaster. Uh, we did a refeed when at Porkfest last year when I was having uh, technical difficulties. Yeah, technical dif- difficulties, but it was only for forty five minutes. Or we do everything like we can to uh, to bring you live programming. So even when Ian and Mark are in L A. schmoozing with the big wigs at the the talk radio convention, uh, we will have live uh, live show here, and it's all thanks to the Free Talk Live amplifiers at amp.freetalklive.com. So head on over there and get involved in that. To the phones and the fun, Glenn in Yakima, listening to KUSA. Hello, Glenn. Hello, sir. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I was hoping you could explain to me how, how, uh, how much you get paid to sit around and talk about who has power. I don't know. That was just really... Uh, wasn't going anywhere, and I just want to know how Rush I get paid to goes do that. Anywhere? I mean, it's just talk. It's just talk radio, right? I mean, do you think Rush Limbaugh's conversations go someplace? No, oh no. But you're. I mean, I appreciated the, uh, you know, the political talk. I just, I don't understand. <laughs> I just want to know how I get paid to do that. Oh well, <laughs> that's an easy question. Just go ahead and put ten years in, getting paid at nothing, practically uh, subsistence wages, and then at some point or another, somebody will employ you if you're any good. Excellent. Yeah, that's the radio uh, world for you. You don't get paid very much up front, and then about 15, 10 or 15 years in, you'll actually start making an okay living. Uh, I wouldn't say, Mark, that we're, you know, raking in the no. dough. No, I, I drive a like 91 that. Dodge Shadow. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm by no means a rich man. Yeah, so you might Excellent. even make more than we do. I don't know. Ian's house do? is paid off, though. That's pretty good. Well, that's nice. That is impressive. Well, that's not because I've been in radio, though, Mark. That's uh, that's because I've saved my money and I've been pretty good with you it. You are a little throughout, miser. Throughout, uh, throughout time. So um, so does that answer your question? Do you have anything else you wanted to share? Uh, well, actually, um, I was just wondering if you ha- if there's any – are there any older, wiser, older guys that have been around for a long time who really agree with all you're saying? Because I actually haven't listened before ever. It's my first time listening, and I, I, I agree with – you know, in terms of getting rid of government and uh, secession and all that, I really, cool. um, I'm, I'm digging a lot of what you're saying. It's making me think a lot, and I'm just wondering if there are there any older guys 
any sure. guys been around a real long time who well, yeah. who you can point to who agree with what well, you're of saying. Of course. Of course. These aren't original ideas. How I don't have an original idea in my quiver. I mean, everything I speak, I, I learned from somebody else who's come before. I mean, uh, Lou Rockwell is a, is a good source, I would right. say, to answer How old do question. you want the guy to be? Do you want him to be alive or dead? Do you uh, want to read, his, read the stuff he's written? Do you want to hear audio? Um, do you want to hear video of him? I mean, these ideas that we have are, are simply reiterations of ideas that go on with you know people all across the world that believe in the ideas of liberty. Um, however, I'm always leery of people that look to age as some kind of arbiter as to what's right and what's wrong. You know, remember, young people change the world. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence at 33. Jesus Christ supposedly died on the cross uh, for your sins at 33 too. Uh, these are uh, you know these were young men. Absolutely. No, no. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm one of the young. And so I just, I do, um, you know, in my own experience, I've appreciated the questioning and the, the sharing of experience from a lot of older dudes who have, you know, that's helped me out a lot in the, uh, in the process. Well, they're not all men, but uh, there are some, uh, some great uh, female thinkers as well in the, uh, in the liberty movement. So are you looking for older guys that are still alive or uh, older people that are, uh, are now passed on? Um, uh, doesn't matter really. I just, I'm just interested in finding out just some, you know, well, LouRockwell.com. I like Lou Rockwell. I've had the, the, the opportunity to meet him in person. We actually had him here in, this, in the studio. Lou's an older guy. Uh, Mark, I would say yeah. uh, he's maybe in his 60s or something like I that. I like Ludwig von Mises because dead, though. It's, it's a better name, though. I mean, you got to admit, who, who's going to argue with a guy named Ludwig von Mises? Yeah, well, uh, uh, Lou Rockwell is the president of the von Mises uh, Institute, the Mises Institute down in uh, in Auburn, and Lou's got the most popular liberty-oriented website on the internet, which is lourockwell.com. So, I mean, thinking of uh, older libertarian, liberty-minded folks that uh, are still around, uh, Lou Rockwell's the first person that comes to mind. Ron Paul's a pretty principled dude, too. Uh, I mean, he's not totally uh, on board with the ideas of liberty, but he's cl- he's close. And, and Ron Paul has, he's like 95%. Ron Paul's brought in a lot of younger oh, people into this. better than 95. Uh, maybe 98%. Absolutely. Yeah, so Ron Paul's brought a lot of younger people into this movement and introduced them to the ideas of liberty, and then they find things like Free Talk Live uh, that you know help take them to the next uh, the next step. So, does that answer sure. your question? Yeah, that's a big, that's a great help. I think um, I don't mean you probably point to them all the time, but I think the more you point to them, it might help also just for people to get more resources about it. Glenn, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue with Steve listening to WRNN in Myrtle Beach. Hello, Steve. Well, hi. Uh, I've, a, uh, I've been watching politics all my life, obviously. And you know, the thing that bothers me is we get these, uh, these people in here, we elect lawyers into these positions mm-hmm. of executive and legislative branch offices. And I guess I'm, I'm curious what, what you thought, your thought is, uh, why do we elect lawyers when I think the founding fathers really intended for us to have a separation of powers, and therefore, we should not elect lawyers to executive or legislative branch offices. You know, there was originally going to be uh, the well, there are plenty of, uh, The founding fathers didn't think that um, because, I mean, wasn't uh, John Adams, the second president, was a was a lawyer. So I, 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 I but they hesitate. were going to have wasn't the 13th yes. Amendment going to be a prohibition on esquires holding uh, political office? I, you, you, I, I wouldn't know. I think it was. And I think it, it more specifically it said anybody with a title and uh, mm-hmm. I think it was inclusive of other elites uh, in, uh, in, you know, uh, professions. Uh, but the, the point, I think, is simply that do we want lawyers making law who are beholden to the judiciary? You'll never see 
uh, judiciary um, uh, review reform uh, until we get rid of these lawyers who are attorneys and uh, uh, in those offices. I don't think that mo- most uh, most politicians once once a lawyer has gone politician, they never go back. Um, so they really aren't beholden to the judiciary at that point. They're they're they're, they're pretty much set. I, I think that I think that that's the least of the concerns for uh, electing lawyers. I'm definitely not for it. I'm of the opinion that we have a government by the lawyers for the law. Lo- right, they're creating uh, for the laws. They're, the, but, the, the lawyers are creating laws so them and their lawyer buddies uh, can stay employed. Right? I mean, they're creating. It's new the laws. world they understand. Right. Will we ever see any uh, tort reform or or anything like that? But you know, that's long. Yeah. So the next topic, which is uh, you know these um, uh, political action committees. You know, since 1974, there were no political action committees, and political action committees are not an entity. So, therefore, they take away the uh, representation uh, of the individuals, uh, you know, their, um, oh, their individual representation. And, you know, these are people donating from all over the United States, which I don't, understand, I don't have any problem with that, but the, the thing that I see happening is, it takes away from individual representation in your district. Well, the idea that anybody's even represented is pretty ludicrous on its face. <laughs> I mean, you got me on. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, there. I, I agree there's a lot of problems with uh, funding of politicians, but it, once again, we're talking about the difference between hacking at the branches and hacking at the root. The reason that there's problems with fundings of, of politicians is because politicians have so much, have given themselves, have taken for themselves so much power. And if they didn't have the power, there would be no reason to fund them. For instance, there, is near, there isn't nearly that problem here in New Hampshire where we have 400 representatives who are paid a hundred dollars who year. are paid a hundred dollars a year you don't have a situation where people are buying off reps because what are you going to buy them off with a, a, a double quarter pounder with cheese they can't afford to some of them maybe maybe i mean you know it depends on the issue <laughs> they still have lobbyists in new hampshire if i agree with you i'll vote with you for the double quarter pounder with cheese either way but um you know that's that because it's such a large body you can and, and a, you know a relatively small state you can have that handled so I think the real answer, once again, federal government is the biggest problem we have. Well, listen, I enjoyed it with you guys. I appreciate letting me uh, get my uh, ideas out there. And uh, Thank you. Well, good luck. That's I'm, why I'm the show exists. I thank you, Steve, for uh, anybody who wants to, to get their ideas out there. As long as they can, as long as they have the, uh, the ability to comprehend dialing a phone number, <laughs> you can get on the air. Or you can have someone else dial it for you and then hand it to you. Uh, if you can get on our phones, oh boy. we'll put you on the air. <laughs> But not right now, because we're done. Uh, So we'll see you tomorrow night for the Internet version of the Sunday edition of the show, which you can only get at freetalklive.com. See you then. Have a great weekend. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from Alaska to Florida. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation twice. And the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years. You can have access to our 80 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as $500 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com.